Good evening. As uh, Garrett was mentioning earlier, for many people, Good Friday is one of the most confusing of holidays. Uh, it, it commemorates an unjust execution of the best man who ever lived, and yet we call it good. It is a time where we think about the cross of Christ and how horrific and how sad that event was. And yet, we know that it was the cross in part that made it possible for us to be saved and to have eternal life, which is an entirely joyful concept and reality. We read the narratives like we just did, where we see the, the agony of Christ. We sing songs that speak of the agony of Christ and the excruciating ordeal that it was for him to go to the cross. And yet, we read in Hebrews that it was for the joy set before him that he endured the cross. So which one is it? Is it horrible or is it good? Is it sad or is it celebratory? Is it agonizing or is it joyful? Of course, the answer is yes, it's, it's all of those things at the same time. But knowing how uh, emotionally and mentally confusing it can be, what I want to do in our next few minutes together in a, just a really a brief meditation from God's Word is to give you a snapshot of how the New Testament authors seemed to think about the cross, how the New Testament authors seemed to reflect on the crucifixion of Christ. If we want to know what does it look like for, for me to experience Good Friday in a way that, that would be appropriate biblically, what does it mean for me to think about Good Friday and have a posture towards the cross, toward the crucifixion of Christ in a way that would be appropriate and biblical, well, let's look at how some of those early New Testament writers thought about the cross of Christ and his crucifixion. We're going to look at one verse together, Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. So if you have a copy of God's Word, you can go there along with me. You may have it memorized by the time we're done together. Galatians 6, 14. Uh, you have a pew Bible there. You can locate the text as well. Well, in this verse, as we look at it together, we're, we're going to see two ways uh, to think rightly about the cross of Christ. Two ways uh, to think rightly about the crucifixion, and therefore, I would say two ways that we can rightly uh, reflect this evening on what we call Good Friday. And the two ways are these. Boast in a crucified Savior and live a crucified life. So boast in a crucified Savior and live a crucified life. I want to argue if you want to know what it looks like for you to experience Good Friday in a way that's biblical, in a way that the, would have resonance with the uh, New Testament writers, it would be that, to boast in a crucified Savior and live a crucified life. Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. But far be it for me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. First, boast in a crucified 
Savior. I selected uh, Galatians 6, 14 for our uh, devotional meditation uh, this evening because if you look at all the references, if you, if you just scour the New Testament for uh, references, especially in the epistles, in the epistolary literature for references to cross and to crucifixion, in, uh, in the, the, the New Testament letters, a couple of themes will emerge. You'll start to see a few things kind of bubble to the surface every time uh, cross and crucifixion is mentioned. A few things that are the New Testament writers seem to emphasize. And the first one is that the, the, the cross is something to boast in. I Meaning it's something to, to uh, glory in. It's something to brag about is the cross of Christ. 1 Corinthians 1 says that the cross uh, is foolishness to some people. So to those who are perishing, Paul says, the, the cross is just, it's, it's utter foolishness. It's ridiculous. Yet to other people, to those who are being saved, it is the power of God for salvation. So something is, is seemingly weak and embarrassing as the, the, the leader of your faith dying this one who was supposed to be David's greater son, this one who was supposed to be this forever king that was promised to us actually dies. How embarrassing and weak and confusing is that? Paul says, no, no, no. For those who are perishing, it, it is that. It is foolishness. But to those of us who, is be, who are being saved, we know that the cross of Christ, his crucifixion, is the power of God to salvation. It is actually something not to be embarrassed of, but to boast and to glory and to brag about. Instead of something weak and embarrassing, it, it, Jesus being killed is actually the, 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 the powertrain for our entire religion. So if you're with us uh, this evening and you're not a Christian, I, I, I understand how strange that can be. And Garrett uh, gave a nod to this as well. It, it was for me, I didn't grow up as a Christian. And, and that, that was kind of confusing for me as well of, of this death of Christ, this one who was God and yet he had to die. But the reason that Christ had to die is that our sins demanded punishment. What, what our sins deserve, the Bible says, is death. And I always thought, well, yeah, but if God is this all-powerful, all-good, all-loving God, then he could just forgive everybody. But the Bible says that even though God is those things, God is good, God is all-powerful, he's also just. And what justice demands was punishment for our sins, every one of us. And so in Christ, God can both be just, punishing the wickedness that our sins deserve, and justifier offering salvation to those because that punishment doesn't fall on us, but it fell on Jesus in our place as our substitute, bearing our punishment on his body in place of us. That's the good news of Christianity. So God is good, but he's also just. That's why Christ died. Nobody took his life. He willingly laid it down. I mentioned this already, Hebrews 12, verse 2, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Philippians chapter 2 says that in humility, Christ counted others as more important than himself, which caused him to be obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Christ willingly and joyfully and intentionally walked into this for us. And so when the New Testament reflects on the cross of Christ, it highlights 
the, the, the glorious nature of what he intentionally, willingly, obediently, joyfully accomplished there. Listen to a couple other verses. Colossians 2.14, canceling the record of debt that stood against us, setting it aside, nailing it to the cross. So that's what Christ did at the cross. We, we had this enormous debt against us. We can never do enough or work enough or accomplish enough or, or do enough religious acts or try hard enough to earn anything before God, to earn any right standing before him, to earn any sort of salvation through our own effort. All we did was pile up more and more debt through our own disobedience and sin and inability to keep the law. But the Bible says what Jesus did at the cross is that he took that record of debt and he nailed it to the cross freeing us from any debt that stood against us, freeing us from anything uh, against us on our account, taking it on himself. Colossians 1 verse 20, through him to reconcile all things, making peace by the blood of his cross. And so when Paul is writing to the Corinthians and he's reflecting on the cross, he is saying one of the things that he did in Colossians, he, he canceled our debt, nailing it to the cross, but he also reconciled all things to him, making peace by the blood of the cross. We are naturally enemies of God because of our sin and our rebellion against him. But, but those who are enemies of him now have the opportunity to become friends of him because Jesus has stood in the middle reconciling all things to himself making peace where there's enmity and strife and fighting. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 16, Paul's talking about the, the, the animosity that people have even, even uh, uh, ethnically against one another. And he says he has reconciled us both, meaning Jews and Gentiles, reconciled us both to God in one body through the cross, killing the hostility. So the reason that all kinds of different people uh, can, can get together, diverse people can get together in unity in the church is because one thing that Jesus did is he broke down that wall, killed the hostility that exists and nailed that to the cross as well, reconciling all kinds of people together in the church in Christ. You see, that's why we love the cross. That's why as we think of Good Friday, that, that, that we, we look at what he accomplished, that he accomplished something so counterintuitive uh, or, or through something so counterintuitive and weak, he accomplished all of this for us. And that's why Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, he says, I will boast of nothing except the cross of Christ. He wrote the same thing to the church at Corinth. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2, he says, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. That was my message. That's all I had. We glory in this. We boast in this. We brag about this. So church, if you want to think rightly about Good Friday, have Christ as your only boast. If there was any other way for us to be saved, we could preach that message instead and boast in that. If there's any other thing that would give us ultimate meaning and ultimate hope and purpose, we could brag on that. If there's any other kind of identity that was more foundational to who we are than who we are in Christ, we could champion that. But it's Christ. Today, th this Good Friday, I encourage you to, to, to yes, have a sobriety 
about the cross of Christ, but not to no end whatsoever. Not to an end in and of itself. Well, I want to be somber toward the end of being somber. I want to have sobriety toward the end of having sobriety. Have sobriety toward the end of what the New Testament would say. This is what you should think when you think of the cross. Have a seriousness toward the end of a seriousness about what our boast is and what our hope is and what our message is. Good Friday uh, kind of resets us, re- reorients us and reminds us of the agony and the, 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 the pain and the sacrifice of the cross. But it reminds us that he joyfully went into that and into that so that we might be saved and so that that might be the only word on our lip. That might be the message that we proclaim to anybody. So be serious about the cross of Christ, but be serious about the message that it puts in your mouth. Be somber about this reality, but be somber about what it means that those of us who are saved by Christ have that one thing to boast in, that one thing to brag about, that one thing that we are about, that one thing that is our identity, that one thing that is on our lips at all times and all places. That's the first thing as you look at how the New Testament authors think about the cross and talk about the cross. It just bubbles to the surface that this is something that they are bragging in. It's something that they are boasting about. The second thing, so boast in a crucified Savior. Number two, live a crucified life. Live a crucified life. Okay, so we're after a better understanding of how we should think about Good Friday, how we should feel and respond. And if you look at those New Testament writers, you'll see the theme of boasting that emerges. But secondly, you'll see that the crucifixion applied to the Christian in, in, in such a way and in a sense that, that, that it informs how we live, it informs how we view our sin, it informs how we pursue holiness. So these early Christians thought about the, the crucifixion of Christ and they said, yeah, yeah, yeah that's us too. He, he, he died and, and we've died with him in a sense. That, indeed, that's what we picture at baptism. We'll have a baptism this Sunday morning, and that's what we are, uh, that's what, as somebody makes a public profession of their faith in Christ, we baptize them uh, because it's, a, it's an image of somebody dying to Christ and rising to new life. In the same way that Christ died, we die with him, and then in the same way that he is raised, we are raised. So listen to Galatians 6.14 again. Galatians, Galatians 6.14, kind of, uh, it's a small, quick verse, but it encompasses all these kind of both ways that, that you see the New Testament writers thinking about the cross. Galatians 6.14, but far be it for me to boast except in the cross of Jesus Christ, or, or of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For the Christian, the the cross of Christ makes us dead to certain things, as it were. Paul used to be worldly himself, persecuting Christians and and imbibing in the world system and the world philosophy and the the, the way of of life of the world and all of its values and and, and proponents having, uh, having been crucified now to him. So in the way that that he was once on the side of the world crucifying Christians, the world has now turned on him. The the Judaizers and the enemies of the gospel no longer want anything to do with him, which is why they're turning on him and now persecuting him as a Christian. So he says that the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. He's also dead to the world, crucified to the world. He's different now. He, he, He doesn't live for the same things that he used to live for. He doesn't love the same things that he used to love. 
He's not after all the things that were temporal and, and momentary and fleeting and anti-gospel. His whole life has been turned upside down and he says, I am now, I am dead to the world. That stuff just doesn't do it for me anymore. That stuff isn't my passion anymore. That stuff isn't my claim to fame anymore. That stuff isn't my, my resume anymore. It's none of that. I'm, I'm dead to that. All, the, all those passions, desires, and loves, and affections, I'm dead to that. I'm crucified to those things. And friends, this is no small theme in the New Testament either. Listen to Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians chapter 5, verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So if you are a Christian, if you belong to Christ Jesus, if you are in Christ, Paul says, then you have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You no longer have to be ruled by those things anymore. You no longer have to live according to those things anymore. Romans chapter 6, verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we, know, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. One of the things that the cross of Christ does is that when we turn from our sins and we trust in Jesus as our Savior, we become new. The old man is gone and the new man has come. We are crucified with Christ in order that that old way of life, that old body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer need to be enslaved by sin. Will we still sin? Yes, we will still sin. But we're no longer, we no longer need to obey it. We no longer need to be enslaved by it. Do you see, church, how the Christian ought to think about the cross? How we ought to think about the crucifixion of Christ? Well, a huge implication is that if we are in Christ, having turned from our sins and trusted in him, then we remember that we are in some sense crucified as well. Our old man is dead, and we've been given new hearts, a new nature, a new man that is able to obey the Lord, to deny our flesh, to fight against sin. Perfectly? No. But really and truly. To, to put to death the deeds of the flesh by the power of the Spirit. So friends, if you want to think rightly about Good Friday, if you're a Christian, reflect on how he died so that you may die. He died so that, that we might be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. He did this so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So if there's anybody here clinging to a sin, Reflect on the cross of Christ tonight and, and remember that he died so that you no longer have to be enslaved to that anymore. If there's anybody in here who has something that, that, that you know, man, I just need to confess that to, to somebody, to bring a brother or sister in on that, to, to take that before the Lord and to take that before uh, somebody else in community who can help me walk and fight sin and to pursue holiness in the Lord. May tonight be that night. He died. Good Friday reminds us that, that he died, that we might be free of that and, and not enslaved to that any longer and the chains have broken off so that we can live a life free in holiness to the Lord.
you want help walking in light and, and freedom, instead of enslavement to our sins, you're in the right place. And you're here at the right time to think about the cross of Christ and how he made that possible for us. Well, church, taking seriously the cross of Christ, which is what I think we are meant to do on Good Friday. We are meant to, to, to feel the weightiness of the crucifixion, to take seriously the cross of Christ. But taking seriously the cross of Christ isn't evidenced by a somber attitude one day out of the year. It's about taking the, the, the cross of Christ seriously, rightly reflecting on the weightiness of it all, but I encourage you to do that toward an end, toward something concrete. Take the cross of Christ seriously that you might take seriously Christ as your only boast, as your only hope, as your only claim to fame, as your only identity, as your only thing on your resume that you're pointing to. It's him. Take the cross of Christ seriously, that that is your message. That's the thing uh, for anybody that you, uh, family members or coworkers or neighbors, people that you are ministering to and in the lives of, that they would say that is their only boast. That is their message that they preach all the time. It's Christ. Take seriously the cross of Christ that you might take fighting against your own sin seriously. He died that we might die and be freed. That we would consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Taking seriously the cross allows us to feel the weightiness of that and then apply that in our lives and see the weightiness of what we're called to do and the weightiness of how we're called to live as though those pursuing a Christ-like life. Christ went to the cross to redeem us and to free us, to give us hope and life. That's why we call it good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do ask that you would give us a sobriety about the cross of Christ, certainly the agony and the pain and the tears as drops of blood. Give us sobriety for all the ways that we ourselves rebel, cling to sin at times. God, help us this evening reflect on his sacrifice in such a way that it would warm our affections to boast only in him, that it would steal our resolve to fight sin and to live as though we have been freed from the body of death and given the new nature that we have in Christ. Help us by your spirit, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.